Welcome to Coaches and Conversations, where we remove the veil and talk about what it's really like to be a woman building a business online. Because here, it's not just business, it's personal. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach and Business Strategist, Tavana Denise. Let's dive in. I am like really interested to see where this conversation goes today. And I think it's a very important one because on the screen, in the virtual studio with me, I have three of some of my favorite people and past clients. And I asked them to come on and speak to me, not from a client perspective, uh, but from a woman in business who is a woman of color perspective, because I truly believe that there is power in telling the story and knowing that you have similar thoughts and you're not alone and you're not crazy and it's normal and all of these things so that we can make different choices if we choose to. And so I just wanted to have a conversation today about what it's like, like real talk, real life as a woman of color in business online. And so who knows where this conversation will go. But before we dive into things, I want you to know who all these beautiful ladies are. And so starting with you, Georgie, will you please tell the people who you are in the, the online space? Hello, everyone. I go by Coach Georgie in the online space. A lot of my friends and family call me Georgie or Georgetta. <laughs> I am a life coach and licensed therapist. Um, I provide um, life coaching to professional Black women who are struggling with overworking and creating fun and balance in their life. So I am known on the online scene as Coach Georgie. Awesome. Thank you. Teresa. Hey, I'm Teresa Pride. I'm a former physical therapist and um, owned a Pilates studio, so brick and mortar, um, up until March of 2020. Now I am in the online space, affectionately known as Dr. T to most of my clients, but um, have pivoted into not only healing the physical with my clients, but also um, leaning into energy healing and quantum healing and that sort of thing. So it's been, it's been an amazing journey online so far. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you for being here. And Marilyn. Hi, I'm Marilyn, I'm also known as MJ Fontaine. I'm a life coach for women, for creative women who want to make an income from their creativity with ease. Um, and that's me for right now. Yeah, and of course, as you can hear the accent, she's coming all the way to us from the UK. Yeah, yes. Absolutely, so I mean, I guess to just start off, I'll just dive right in. Teresa, when you came on the screen and your lovely locks were out, like your hair was like so big and beautiful. I was like, because oh, I never get to see it that way. Nobody ever gets to see it that way. <laughs> so, to, but why? But why? Yeah, that it's so funny that that came up because I said, you know, I'm so transparent. And I know that this is why, too, we have such great conversations about this sort of thing, but um, it's just, it's a lot of work. And I, I didn't start wearing my hair naturally until before I had my kids. And 
Um, so, the, you know, 20 plus years of relaxing my hair every, you know, so often. And I don't know. So there's just a lot of baggage that comes with, with there. To me, I would rather just pull it back in a bun. I used to be a dancer. That's easy for me. That's where life is. But then, I don't know, there just seems to be this pressure of when I'm going to be visible or I'm going to be online. I think oh, I should probably should probably comb my hair. And that's just not an easy beat. <laughs> so... Um, I do have a lot of hair. I don't know, you know, if somebody's just listening to this, it's, it's down my back, it's down to my low back. Um, and it, it's, it's just, a, it's a lot. But well, yeah, so why do I feel the pressure to, to do work on it just because I might be seen by somebody, right? That's, that's an issue. That's a big deal. That's why I don't show up as much online as I would like to. That's interesting. Has anybody else felt that pressure to show up a certain way online um, that may actually hinder you? Have any of you experienced that? Marilyn, tell me about it a little bit and then we'll go to you. Well, well, I have obviously dreadlocks or locks as we call them. Mm -hmm. And um, when I first obviously came into the coaching space, there was a certain image, this was pre-lockdown. And so I was thinking, you know, I always have to make sure I look really neat, really maintained. I've got bad hair days, so I've got a hat. But I actually like rocking my hat, you know, with my locks, because I think it's part of an image now. So it's become part of my signature and people seem to love it. But before I did think about, you know, showing up, and just on this way here, I was with my mom and she said, oh, why don't you take, you know, I've got a nose ring as well. And my mom said, oh, why don't you take that nose ring out of your nose? Because she's West Indian, very, you know, st- st- stuck in her ways, very conservative. And she's like, and I said, well, people accept me for who I am. But that was quite a big question. And it's come from, you know, parents about showing up. But I feel like the more I've been myself, the more people have warmed to me. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I got a link to that. Donna Summers, re, like you you did this to your take on a Donna Summers album cover. And I was like, all the yeses to this photo. I loved it, <laughs> loved it. And so, yeah, I just, you're, you're right. There's a certain, or it feels like there's a certain, the more I do actually show of me and who I really am, the more people are like, oh. and you know, for me, it's like, oh my God, where you said a bad hair day. I'm like, oh my God, my hair is so terrible right now. And tell me if I'm wrong. Do y'all get the most compliments when people, when you're like, oh my God, my hair, it just feels awful right now. Like, oh, your hair is amazing. Yes. <laughs> It's kind of like, if if that's the case, then why don't we just go ahead and be who we are all the time? And, I, you know, I, not to yeah. pick, pick on the men, but I just, I think this is, I, I have this thing about showing up how I am in the moment, because that's who I authentically am in that moment. And if I always have to present myself a certain way, I think it just hinders me a little bit because I've, I've seen some people where either they can't show up, won't show up, or when they do show up, how they actually are in the moment, people are like, Ooh, what's like, what's up with that kind of thing. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's all, all facets of people, but I just, I'm, I'm curious about that. Georgie, what, what do you think? Have you ever experienced where 
you feel like you need to change something or present just so to be visible? I think it has always been to change it and to be more polished because and mine's come from the space of I've judged people for not showing up the way I thought maybe they should in a professional light or just sharing something or trying to connect with people. And so I do the thing that I judge, I do the thing opposite of how I tend to judge other people. And so the reflective part of that is why am I judging? What about that? Do I need to change or reconsider? Um, because it impacts how I show up if I have in the past or have worked on not judging people or have judged people because of how they showed up and then I'm doing not showing up because I don't I wouldn't want anyone to judge me for the same reason I have to go back then with myself and understand why I'm doing that and what's the benefit or lack therefore no benefit and what do I need to think or consider differently so that I'm showing up regardless of possible judgment, possible not connecting and think of all the possibilities if I just showed up as this, like the ability to connect. And one of the things that I really wanna grow this year, 2022 is telling my story and telling that from a place of being truly authentic and not, and knowing that the authenticity is gonna connect to some people and it doesn't have to connect to everybody. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a a continual process of okay, you're gonna tell your story to whatever level or whatever depth that you feel is comfortable in 2022. And you tiptoe out there and it's like, oh, that's that's not too bad. Let me go another layer. Let me go another layer. You know, I think it's just a, a continuous process. So how how did you start that process, Georgie, of I'm going to tell my story and, and creating maybe that safety for yourself to tell the story authentically. I think it started with me having a conversation that I felt safe with and understanding the parts of the story that I felt like I, if I told this part, will I impact someone else's life, right? So a part of my story is about my mother having an addiction my entire life. So having a conversation from the the transparency with her of you understand and we've had talks about the impact this wouldn't be the first time right <laughs> um we've talked about this and you understand the impact and the i understand the struggle it has been for you and so not to be afraid or isolated in that um because out of that story or that experience i'm connecting with other people and to just really deal with every parts of it that I felt like I couldn't do or I couldn't say because how it would impact someone else or how it would impact me or who, who would not agree with the way I was telling it. I kind of touched that with the people directly and then I touched it with myself in terms of um, what would it mean for me if I did. Um, and that was far greater. That outcome was far greater than keeping it all um, isolated or secretive as I've done most of my life. Yeah, that is key. And that makes me think about you, Teresa, because we've had conversations about like locking away pieces of ourselves because what would other people think and all of that. So like you when you and I met, there was this tension between, OK, physical therapy, which is a very both of us have a background in physical therapy. It's very science based, evidence based and all of this. And then going into the 
coaching in the woo space and to see you now just you're like no I help people with energy and quantum healing like I got chills when you said that and so like I know part of your story was well just tell the part of your story where you were where you were living and why you were hiding some of that if you don't mind oh yeah absolutely yeah when you and I first met and I was going through that I call it my my identity crisis of of that year, because it seems like there's one every year <laughs> that happens, right? But um, that was when, yeah, I was I was pulling away from physical therapy and and wanting to move more into a, a more 360 kind of holistic way of working with people and not wanting to stay in in just one box. And um, but at the time, you know, I lived with my my mother-in-law, love her to pieces, amazing woman, um, but a very just kind of you, Marilyn, like this um, strict, you know, a little more stricter, more conservative, like from Jamaica, um, woman of medicine, right? A, you know, a retired physician herself and, um, you know, wonderful conversations, great connection with her, but living in her home while my husband and I were trying to find our own home and get on our feet and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, you, you know, I'm, I'm also Buddhist and, you know, I, I read cards and, you know, I have my crystals and, and it's just, it was very different (laughs) kind of um, situation. And so, yeah, when we first met, I, there was no way I was going to say I'm leaving this safe net of an industry and start talking about what I really wanted to do. And now particularly a little time, but now, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to say that that's the work that I do and that's how I touch people's lives. So yeah. Can you say a little bit more about like it? it, Because I I mean, I'm sure there's somebody listening like, okay, but how? What was that (laughs) middle point? Like, because we're like, ta-da! And now I talk about quantum healing. (laughs) There's definitely steps along the way. So, you know, I would just kind of poke my head out a little bit and say um, that I, you know, was leaning more into my Pilates practice. I felt like if I if I stepped away from physical therapy, I could lean a little bit more into Pilates and there I had a little more room to play. I could, I could firmly say I'm a contemporary teacher. I don't follow a very strict, you know, I give the person in front of me what they need. So as that, you know, started to grow, I started to experiment with the people in front of me and, and start talking to them a little bit more, um, essentially, you know, probably getting more of my legs and in, in life coaching and that sort of thing. And, um, but the visibility of it, the really announcing it and saying it, um, that just took time. That took healing that myself. It took healing from fear of judgment. Um, not saying that's perfect, but it's definitely a lot better. And that took, um, it took me doing it and realizing that nothing bad was going to happen. Honestly, nobody really cares. That's <laughs> how I look at everything. People don't care about you as much as well, and you know, I know I told you at one point, like, and at, at that time you were in, in her home, but I'm like, but who's paying the bills? Like these people that we're so right. afraid of, like, are they really paying our bills? And right. at the end of the day, if they're not, then they can kick rocks. They can kick all the rocks. And what, and the big turning piece for me was as I started being talking online more about the moon cycle and your energy and how everything affects you and just being very open about that 
I've had people reach out to me and say, thank you so much for being so open. Now I feel like I can talk about what I'm into. Um, and that's been the coolest thing. I'm like, really? Like, I didn't think anybody was paying attention, you know? <laughs> so it's really neat. Yeah, I, I call them little kisses from the universe. Yeah. Like whenever I like, is anybody listening? I'm so tired at whatever. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know how it knows, but in that moment, that's when somebody's going to send a message. Somebody's yes. going to reply to an email. Somebody's going to send a DM. And I'm like, oh, okay. A little more juice to keep going. Yes. Yeah. So thank you for that. Marilyn, tell me a little bit, because like you started to talk about it uh, before with moms from the West Indies, very conservative. We got to talk a little bit about these moms and separating from, because I have all my thoughts and I have my mom in my ear too, and I got to break away from that. So tell me a little bit about what your experience has been, Marilyn, as an artist, then going into the life space and then your mom in your ear. Well, it's really funny and ironic. Well, it's not, it's like another kiss. Um, Because when I had the conversation today with my mom and she was saying, oh, take out that nose ring from your nose. And I said, well, mom, you're not paying my bills or my mortgage. She's like, oh, how could you? You know, she laughs because she knows I will always have a clap back. And I said, mom, she said, but I'm your mother and you're still my, my baby. And I said, but mom, being a mother, it's about nurturing now, mom. So even if my hair is pink, it's, you can still moan, but still accept me with this pink hair. That's what mothers meant to do now. Like it's a bit of a banter, but there's truth in that. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm kind of showing her because I think our parents, they don't know how to be parents. They've never, there's no guidebook. So I think our boundaries and because we're in the business of helping people and life and mental health, we, we, we have a bit more learning and self-acceptance maybe than they would. So um, I come from a heart space and say to her, well, mom, you're not paying my mortgage. This is me and the world can accept me as I am. Because it's just her fears. It's, it's her fears of how society and other, other than Black, sees us. And it goes back to this thing of being pigeonholed, not being accepted, the, you know, not having food, not being accepted in society, you know. It's all their primal fears. So I had to, I always try and remind her of this. And she does take note and she does laugh afterwards. But she still says it. Like, she always says, I'm going to cut your hair, you know, mm. because you have good hair, inverted commas. Oh, gosh. So shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be locked up because your hair is soft. And so... I have to as if soft is the standard like oh you have the good hair so it's soft it's not yeah. hard it's big loose curls it's not kinky yes. tight curls like oh. yeah. so you're acceptable so I think I've had to it's been an ongoing thing but I think the most important thing I've had to self-parent because it did live a tiny piece of irritation um whereas before it used to be really a lot, but I had to do a lot of work around my mother and and this um, sense of self and self acceptance. Um, and for me, if the world is paying for me good money to help them, I actually don't care anymore to a degree because I'm helping people. And I think that's been a beautiful um, antidote to top dog or toxic thoughts that might seep in. 
but I'm going to do a model anyway on that. So, okay. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that that acceptance. Like we talked a little bit from our own families and our own parents, and thank you for that, Marilyn, around the reparenting because it's like, okay, mom, like my mom would be, you got to put on makeup before you get on the camera, like that that was the standard and I had to choose something different for myself um and so what I had to teach myself is like it's not that she doesn't accept me she's actually trying to protect me in her way because she thinks that if I fit a certain mold a certain standard of beauty then I will be accepted and so it's really it's like taking those things that our parents say and really seeing how they were doing the best that they could. And also it's okay. I, I can still do, make the choice to be how I am and, and still move forward. And so Georgie, have you had any experiences? Like what has your experience been like in terms of acceptance? Do you feel accepted in the coaching community as an African-American woman? Like, are there any things that you notice? And this is a question for everybody. So if you want to start thinking about that. Um, yeah. I don't think I've ever noticed or paid attention to not being accepted. <laughs> um, I think I focus on more so how to serve and have always felt that people needed that influence as a way or exposure to think like, okay, my life can be different. Um, or there's something, a different way to think about life, or there's a different way to live, or there's a different way to be and experience life that's very different from what I've probably always been exposed to or very different. So I don't think I've ever struggled with um, being accepted as a coach, I've always tried to focus on how do I best serve people or show up in a way that people are like, um, if, if she can do it, maybe I can, right? So, and trying to expose what my struggles have been to show you how life could be different or better or um, just more fulfilling. And maybe that's not a well-framed question because one of the things that I think about is representation in the coaching industry and in the coaching space, because I can remember the coaching school that I came from, I was the second Black graduate from it. And for a long time, it was just Kwabi and I for a very long time. And being who I am in the spaces that I run, it didn't really, I didn't think it bothered me. It didn't outwardly bother me or anything, but I do remember one time going to, we have an annual conference and going to that conference and being in a room, like if y'all think hotel conference room where they open up, like there were so many people there, maybe about 500 where they had to open up two ballrooms. So like move the sliders away and massive cross side to side. And I was like, uh-oh, where are the Black people? <laughs> and so we all, it, it was really cool because we all found each other and we all took a group picture and I was like, oh, there are my people. But it, that was really one of the first times. It was like weird because there was the knowledge that I was the second Black person. There weren't too many of us, but that's how it felt like okay when we were on the online space but when we all came together in mass in person it felt very like <gasps> you know and where where are the people and I felt 
as I'm speaking about it right now, like I feel like a, a low level panic, like where, where are the people? And so that, that was really interesting to notice once it was in person online, not a problem, but in person like that, have, have any of you ever experienced that? Like in terms of that, either that and, or when we talk about the rep, uh, representation, cause even you, Teresa mentioned that like, oh, I step out there and, and then other people are like, oh yeah, now I can talk about it. And it was like, the events of 2020, I had gotten really, but even before all of that happened, I had gotten really intentional. And I was like, this is the year I'm going to hit hundred K I'm going to do it. And I was very vocal and public about where I was, how much money I was making and all of that. And then people started looking at me like, oh my gosh, I didn't know there were people out there, black people out there making this kind of money and coaching. Thank you for showing me what's possible. Thank you for showing me what you're doing. And I, you know, try to show the not so positive sides of it too, along the way, but have either, have any of you experienced that? Like, let's try you, Teresa. Yeah, I definitely have. And this has actually come up in conversation um, in some of the, you know, the coaching circles that I'm in um, because at, as a physical therapist and as a Pilates instructor, I'll be honest, I felt much more um, challenged and kind of out on the limb by myself in those spaces, just because you, you are more visible, you know, people are coming into your space. Um, I was questioned a lot, you know, tested. Do you actually know what you're talking about? Um, my, the doctor in front of my name was challenged a lot and in my career with that. And so moving into the online space, it was interesting. I actually kind of felt more accepted in the online space or more like I could kind of move quietly, you know, kind of move through the different um, spaces and conversations that were happening online. But I did notice um, in some of the groups, or if I would create like an accountability group, or if I you know, would join a mastermind, or if I did a group coaching program, you know, like your program, for example, different things, I did always notice that um, that I was different, you know, like that I just looked different from everybody else in that mastermind or that program, that sort of thing. And um, not that it, it didn't really cause a lot of issues about being accepted. I think, I think I just always felt like remnants from PT and Pilates would come up and I felt like I had to prove myself. So I would always like do all the assignments. I know you remember this, do all the assignments and like type everything out and ask all the questions and um, and just try to feel like maybe I was already getting all of the information if, if we were in a learning environment, um, that sort of thing. That, that's the sort of thing that, would, that comes up for me, just this kind of competitiveness that is really stemming from inside me, but it's coming from this, this outward um, picture of, of feeling like um, I have to represent in some way, shape, or form. I have to I have to be the token, right? I have to look the part and 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 press and and that sort of thing. So definitely, I've done a ton of healing around that. Um, mainly because even though I look the way that I look, um, and being of of mixed heritage too, it's like there was that whole thing growing up. You know, whose side who will accept me anyway? I'm too light for this side and too um, tan for this side, whatever you want to call it. And um, but also, I was raised in a Hispanic household. So my culture is actually, you know, my last name was Lopez for most of my life. And I was felt very um, much in that culture. So 
um, I always feel like a little bit of a unicorn <laughs> wherever I go. And, and it was, it was, it didn't come off in a good way for a long time. I, I turned it into a punishment for several years. And I feel like last year and this year starting are kind of the first time that I'm embracing that role that I have in the spaces that I walk. Yeah, that's, yeah, I, I can totally see what you're, what you mean by when you're in the masterminds or the programs or whatever, like it's one of those things that we have to consciously unwind because I don't know about y'all, but in certain spaces, it feels like, especially if you're the only one, like the weight of the race is on your shoulders and you, you, you represent, like mom, you say, you represent me when you leave this house. And so by default, you represent the race when you leave this house. And so it's been very interesting. Thanks for bringing that up about, okay, we have to perform. Cause I recently did a, um, I'm speaking at the National Conference for the American Physical Therapy Association. They asked me to speak about diversity, equity, and inclusion and how it improves clinical outcomes. And oh my gosh, y'all, it took literal 20 hours, but in this chair to do, my segment was 20 minutes because and I was like, what is going on? Like, it's already more challenging for me to do those kinds of talks and really keep it condensed. And like, those are more difficult for whatever reason than hour, two hour talks. But then I was like, it had so much other psychological and sociological stuff layered on top of it. I was like, why is this so freaking hard? Why is this taking so long? Why am I procrastinating on it? And then just like you said, coming back to like, oh, this doesn't feel like I'm just doing a, a national presentation. I can do that, whatever. It's like so much more than that. And so I'm like, ah, oh, so interesting to unwind it. And the two, I also noticed one time I was in a group where I was the only uh, African-American there. And sometimes I just could not show up. And then I felt some kind of way when I did come because I'm like, they knew I was missing. <laughs> You know, so that is, uh, it's a really interesting space to be in. So what, what about you, Marilyn? When we talk about acceptance and representation in the coaching space, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, at the beginning, I think I didn't see a lot of people, especially in the UK, um, that looks like me in terms of, you know, being a black woman, there was always a few um, and it was not until um, when COVID hit, then I found the, you know, the Black Coaches of Colour Collective. Whereas before, especially in, in the UK, it's, it's, there's a few, there's a few coaches, but the places that I went, like on the online space, online groups, there was always quite few and far between, as opposed to like, a, now there's a lot. There's a lot, but I think because the spaces have been created um, in the last two years, but I was always that one person, you know, even in the, um, you know, like even in like creative kind of circles, I was always the, the, the different one, the black person there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that I really try to do as much as I can to create community because it was something that I never experienced. And I really welcome, I mean, even doing your program, Savannah, like just being amongst black women, 
um, high-achieving, high-earning Black women was in one space was really important for me because I hadn't experienced that. It was always in a, on a different level, but it was never so much Black women together. Mm. And I think that's really needed because it, it inspires as opposed to adjusting yourself. And I, you know, I kind of made a vow to myself many years ago, especially in the spiritual circles where I was the only person of colour. And a lot of my mentors were not black in those spiritual circles because I didn't have access. Mm -hmm. um, but I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just embrace it, get as much learning as I can and be a bit uncompromising, not be, you know, rigid, having to explain myself, but just being myself. But, you know, um, I think that sometimes you don't realise how much you have to put up with until it's brought to light. And I think 2020 really kind of highlighted how we just adjusted ourselves. It's like a back problem. You know, you adjust muscles to compensate for the lack somewhere else. And I think that, it, you know, that explains how, you know, most of us uh, and myself have been adjusting ourselves to fit in, you know, into a space. Yes, yes. And it's interesting too, because, and I want to talk about this with each of you, that I never, I always had a mix of people in my programs from various backgrounds cultures, ethnicities, parts of the world. And I'm very proud of that. Um, and I, I also recognize that we need to, it, it's very helpful to see someone like you. It's like against the Roger, I can't think of his last name, once he broke Bannister, once he broke the four minute mile, then it was like, oh, that's easy, right? So I think that representation does matter. Um, and yet I personally do not, like Georgie, I believe you work pretty exclusively with high achieving um, black women. And that's, that's who's attracted to me, but that's not who I seek out. So I'm curious, um, just because I love people in general, I live in Mexico, like I just love the melting pot of which the world is. So I'm curious, and we'll just start with you, Marilyn. Um, do you work mostly or exclusively with people of color and why that choice? There's no right or wrong in it, but I'm just curious. Sorry, um, I work with everybody. Um, so I, it's not specifically creative women of color, it's literally women of color, uh, not women of color, sorry, it's creative women, um, excuse me. But I find I've attracted, I've advertised, um, to it's been inclusive, my, you know, my marketing, but I've attracted women of color. Um, in the past, all my students, because I used to teach complementary therapy, um, my students have been everybody, um, and like healing clients in the past were predominantly white. That's when I used to, you know, I used to be in a clinic in Notting Hill, but now the people that come into my space are mainly. Um, black women. I had I've had about two or three coaching clients that have been white, um, and the first one I had actually educated me on, um, you know, race, you know, like racism and supporting black women. So she was really clear about why she wanted to work with me to support a black woman. 
Um, but yeah, I'm I'm open to everybody. It's not specifically black women, but that's just who signs up with me. Um, and I think that's changing now because I'm getting a lot more inquiries from non-black women. So um, as long as I stay black and conscious of who I am, I will work with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What about you, Teresa? Oh, I actually, a lot of my, um, the demographic that came with me from the Pilates studio was, um, you know, 80% women and about 20% men and um, definitely more, you know, Caucasian, Jewish descent, you know, that sort of thing um, were my clients. And so moving into the online space, a lot of them, of course, came with me. I just shifted my model to 100% online right away. But then as I've opened up more, um, some of my other offers, the coaching, the healing, um, my moon circle, that sort of thing. So my moon circle is about, you know, 50-50 at this point, which is really cool. But um, yeah, I have, I have so much, and even some of the women in my moon circle have, have spoken with me about um, what it would look like to create a space that's like a very safe space that's only for Black women to do um, this type of work. And um, I, I find myself admiring that goal, but feeling like that's maybe not my, like not on my plate, like in this, at this time type of thing. So I feel, um, I really respect that, admire those spaces. And I love being part of those spaces too, myself. I, I am a part of a few spaces like that, but um, my, my marketing and my message doesn't doesn't call out anybody in particular not even women to be honest I have I have men clients too so um yeah I'm also a melting pot myself so there you go <laughs> which is your background and upbringing too so uh Georgie um I think for me I my early education going to HBCU developed this strong sense of um connectedness and responsibility for being Black and upstanding, high-quality Black excellence in everything I do. And transitioning from HBCU and going to uh, PWI for my master's, I went to VCU, was very challenging in that, you know, you have a collective group of Black people various you know social economic background experiences and everybody is like family and then you go to a PWI and you're like you're the token black person it's me and one other person in the program and this was like a very it was a very difficult program at the time to get into um, for social work programs I think we were like number three in the United States at the time that I went and so it's two of us right and we don't even know each other <laughs> So let me pause right there for a second for those who are listening and don't know Zach now. HBCU is historically black college or university and PWI's predominantly white institution. So, okay, go for it, Georgie. Right, and we don't even know each other. And I'm like, you know, I'm here, I'm focused. I just come from an HBCU. I need everyone to understand blackness. I need everyone to understand what it means to be black in America and I'm gonna show and educate you, right? That was my whole thing for like the first year and it got exhausting. It got very exhausting. 
um, because I realized that I didn't have to represent every Black person and I didn't have to explain what it means to be Black in America to people who did not understand. And so once I got past that, I still was very connected to understanding Black issues. And for me, being a person who exclusively seeks out Black women, um, because we are in so many areas, when you reach a certain level of success, you're isolated. So a lot of times, a lot of my women that I work with, when they reach, you know, executive positions, they're the only Black person. They're the only Black woman in the room. They're the only Black woman making decisions. They're the only Black woman who people come to for direction and leadership. And they are usually exhausted in that frame, right? And it's usually, you know, well, why can't I create spaces or why can't people better understand me outside of my Blackness? So for them, sometimes it's like a curse and a burden. Um, and so having, and I've created in my life, I think community is one of the reasons I moved to DC because when I used to visit here, it was so many black people doing well. It wasn't like I was coming and I found one person who was making good money and no, everybody. I was like, oh, you do this, you do that. Oh my God, yes, this is nice. And it was like, okay, I'm moving to DC. <laughs> and you and, and in spaces like DC, you get sometimes forget the inclusiveness um, that other people don't experience when you're the only black person. And so for me, my work was about connecting to those women. And despite them being the only one, still creating spaces for them to still grow and you know, accept themselves and accept all the work and dedication they put into being in those positions and not think of it as a burden um, or well, I not- I think you just highlighted what I felt when I went to that conference because I'm from the DC area. I went to a HBCU mm. and I landed in Atlanta, which is another Mecca for- <laughs> Black people doing very well. And so you're right, for uh, much of my life, I've not had that experience of being a minority. And so thank you for highlighting it. I was like, what is happening? But that's what it was. Yeah. So. And, and, and that's what it is. And sometimes they get so far removed from that, or it can be, and I think for me, and it's crazy, I still get all sorts of women. So I do um, private contracts with tech companies to provide therapy. And most of like 80% of them are white women or Hispanic, and then 20% are black women. <laughs> so even if I'm open and trying to just be there for black women in tech, um, they're still not signing up at the rates that everyone else is. So uh, because of the work I've done, it doesn't impact me how I serve, how I serve is how I serve. Mm -hmm. um, but when I thought about my life coaching business, it was um, the call to be exclusively targeting Black professional high achieving women was um, very personal to me because feeling not wanting to feel alone in spaces and not wanting people, other Black women to feel alone in spaces was um, a call that I felt like I needed to answer to. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for your work. On that note, before I ask the last question, can you tell us, starting with you, Georgie, how can the people find you, follow you, and um, tap into your wisdom? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at livefulfilled. Um, I am coach, and it's also coach Georgie or Georgie. On Facebook, I am Georgie 
um, Howie is my last name. Um, and then my website is www.coachgeorgie.com. So those are all the mediums you can find me on. Okay, cool. And Teresa? Um, my website is um, myhealcode.com. And so that's where it is everywhere. If you go to Instagram, I'm myhealcode, um, Facebook, myhealcode. And I, I tell everybody, if you were to message me or send me an email, I answer everything personally um, and probably dive right in and answer more than you bargained for. So <laughs> you can always email me to hello at myhealcode.com. Awesome. Thanks, Marilyn. Um, yeah, so I'm MJ Fontaine, um, Instagram MJ Fontaine, and the website is mjfontaine.co.uk because I'm in the UK. Um, Facebook is MJ Fontaine and Twitter, same. And again, you know, if you just send me an, an uh, email, I respond as well. I'm not sure if you get what you bargain for, like Teresa said, but um, yeah, I'm quite responsive. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so the last question, Georgie, if you had one piece of advice for your former self as an entrepreneur, what would you tell her? Um, embrace it all. Um, build community of people who support and challenge you and be willing to invest in yourself so that you um, can really reap the benefits of when you put something into an investment, it grows. There's multiple benefits when you invest in yourself and don't give up. I think sometimes we give up right when we're on the peak of the greatness. And if it's challenging and your word, if it's gonna work, don't give up. So that would be the advice I have. Awesome, Teresa. For my former self, um, you know, initially I thought it would be something like, you know, don't, you know, don't be afraid, you know, just speak who you are. But um, I don't know, I think she needed to go through all of those iterations um, and all those pivots and and get to a place. So I, I think I almost would say, you know, you're about to experience a lot of things, but don't apologize for taking up space and for being where you are and just keep going. I love that. Marilyn. I would say, um, don't give up. It's just around the corner it's more than you could ever imagined. Just don't give up, we're nearly there. Oh, that is so cool. Oh, thank you all so, so, so much for being willing to come on here and bear your souls and just be real with me. I know so many other people will be healed by hearing your words and hearing this conversation. So thank you, thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. And if you want to continue the conversation with us, join our private community at tavanadenise.com forward slash join. This is your place to get real, get honest, and share what's on your mind and heart as a woman building a business online. 
I can't wait to meet you on the inside. 